we are soul sisters walk alongside us as we take you through this journey of sisterhood join me jenna urban and me tara machaco as we walk in each other's shoes and explore our very different lives grab your soul sister to listen and laugh as we share stories of family work and small personal disasters we're We're not perfect but but nobody nobody is Hey, 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 episode number six, we are talking about summertime when it comes to athletics and the differences between our youth as athletes in the summer and today's youth and college students. Right, right. So let's backtrack a little bit to when we were kids, what it was like in the summer. So I know that you were always outside in the backyard playing basketball. Yeah. I mean, not even just the summer. I could remember shoveling off the driveway in the winter time, trying to go out there. But I think um, my summers, I feel like every summer, aside from the couple hours of free time where we would play all our little games, was so focused on basketball. Right. And it was like, what camps was I going to? And literally my, I think it was my junior into my senior year, I don't know that I was home for more than like three days at a time because I was constantly moving from one camp to another. Right. Um, but I think that it's so different than nowadays because there's so many other things. That if you're focusing on one sport, there's so many things like AAU, there's shootouts, there's different things that you go to. But I was always so focused on camps. And I think in my situation, I was fortunate that going to camps, I think, made me a better basketball player. And also at those camps, I was able to be seen where I don't think there's as many camps now that you could showcase talents it's it's more youth camps right right but even going back to when we were young like you know fifth sixth mm-hmm. seventh grade like I remember the county clinics mm-hmm. being like the highlight of my school year and then even in the summer when they had it those camps and just kind of like working on the fundamentals mm-hmm. and just how much fun we had going to the county clinics and I remember like there are certain things that I clearly remember with practicing in the off season, uh, those jump shoes. Like I remember having those as a kid, thinking that one day I was going to be, you know, able to dunk the basketball. But, but wait, let's back up because let me let me tell you how you got the jump shoes. I don't remember. Okay, here's how it all started, and it's so funny because a couple of weeks back, um, we were talking with Nikki Polito, our cousin, and he got the jump shoes first. Nikki was a year older than me. And let's, he's probably about, I don't know, six foot three. So mm-hmm. his shoe size was probably like a men's 10 at the time. He got the jump shoes and I was like obsessed with them and they were so expensive. And I was like, I can't, I can't buy these right now. So I took the jump shoes from him when he was done with them and shoved like paper towel <laughs> in the front of them and put them on. And I swore that I was going to be dunking the basketball because I was using these jump shoes. They were the craziest invention ever. They still sell them. No way. Yes, they do. I swear one of the teachers had them. No way. Found them at Walmart for her kids for Christmas. Oh my God. They were like $150 back in 1990. Let's explain (laughs) what the jump shoes were because they were like a piece of white foam. This is what I remember that literally went on the ball of your feet with the black strap. That was the fake jump shoe. That was was that's what I had. I had the the fake brand Hills. That was the aftermarket jump shoe. There was actually the jump shoe that was like $150 and it was a a leather shoe. And then on the front of it, God, I hope people could picture this, on the front of it it was this like half moon piece that stuck on the front that like that like raised you up 
like a couple inches off the ground so that literally you just burned your calf muscles out when you <laughs> wore it. You definitely should not have been trying to dunk the basketball wearing them. You shouldn't have been playing basketball in them. You should right. have only done the exercises they told you to do. But after I wore Nikki's and they were way too big on my feet, we bought the aftermarket ones that was a piece of foam. With like a black strap. <laughs> and I just remember like going in the backyard and just jumping for hours and uh-huh. like so motivated. Like, I'm going to dunk it someday. Mm-hmm. And then when that failed, <laughs> we rolled out the trampoline. Right? Let me tell you, I think the trampoline helped. And I still tell this to kids. Are you like able now. to dunk the ball? I in, When I was in high school, I was able to touch the backboard. I thought that was pretty good because for five tra- So you're going back to the trampoline. I'm going back to the trampoline. I'm not, I'm, I'm not an advocate of the jump shoes. Right. <laughs> but the trampoline, I think a couple things with the trampoline, and some people might think I'm nuts, but the trampoline helped with your spring and your jump. Right. But it also, when you went off the trampoline, when you went up to dunk it, we had a basket that you could lower. So like <laughs> if we put it to nine feet and we went off the trampoline, it, I think it taught you to attack the basket harder. So like when you were actually playing on a 10-foot basket and you started to go at the basket, you weren't afraid because you, you were going up so hard off the trampoline. Interesting. And see, now for mm-hmm. our kids, though, they have them at the trampoline parks. Oh, yeah. They have the basketball hoop. So really, that's where they should be in the Aussie. Like, the, yeah, go, go there. Go to Sky Zone. Go to Sky Zone. <laughs> You know, jump for 90 minutes a day just dunking the basketball, yeah. and you will get a, get a scholarship. Automatic scholarship, <laughs> saying it out. If you're that's, there every day in the office. That's pretty much what we thought when we were when we were buying the fake jump shoes was that we were going to dunk it and get scholarships. Right. Yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. the other day, I walked out on my kids practicing basketball, and they had the red recycling can flipped over that they were going to climb on to, to jump off it. to dunk it. And yeah, I was that, like, yeah. <gasps> I was like, oh my God, I need to get them a trampoline. I'd rather them on the trampoline. I'm telling you, I really do think that, and, and honestly, when I was being recruited, I can't remember what co- what school it was, one of the coaches said to me that that's one of the things that you could do to attack the basket harder was go off a trampoline because you go off of it and you go with such force. But you've got to be careful because when you're jumping like that and you're on a low rim, you could hurt your hand. Right, rim. right. Yeah. But, uh, oh yeah, the jump shoes. And then we would take the jump rope out there with the jump shoes you would think at this point we would have like massive calf muscles. No, no, no it didn't work. Mm-mm. So I don't really think the I think the jump shoes were a fad. I think so too. And we bought into it. Okay, so in the off season, <laughs> right? We totally bought into it, and we cannot. We still can't dunk. No. But um, in the off season, like kind of going out there and working on your individual skill, and I know you and I talk about this all the time because um, I'm so actively involved in youth sports, and obviously you're coaching at the college level, so you're seeing what they're doing to get to that point. Mm. Um, So we have a different opinion than others when it comes to, like you mentioned, the travel basketball. Mm. Uh, What I do with my kids is I invest more in individual workouts, Mm. and I'm promoting old school kind of, you know, going outside, go to pickup games, you know, as many camps as you can rather than go to all of these, play for on all these teams for mm-hmm. AAU. So back to looking at it, comparing like, like, are there more opportunities? Like why do, what is the benefit to playing travel, any, any tra- travel sport? I think there, I think there's definitely a lot more opportunities than when we were growing up in terms of playing on those kind of travel teams and all of that. And I do think that there is benefits of it. I think it, it depends on the age. Right. Um, I don't I don't think that necessarily kids that are, you know, in fifth, sixth and seventh grade need to be playing on travel basketball teams. I think that's the part that's their the age group where they need to be focusing in on fundamentals. And mm-hmm. I, I would recommend doing more skill workouts and going to camps and learning 
the basics of the game before they start to play travel basketball. I think travel basketball, when you start to get into high school, is a recruiting tool. And I think I think you're playing against better players. Um, coaches get to see you. Um, but at the same time, you have to make sure you're also taking advantage of attending a camp or doing workouts with people or mm-hmm. doing skill things because you don't get that when you're playing, when you're playing travel. travel. Travel is you're going out and you're playing and you're getting experience as a player and you're playing against better people. You're playing on a team and you're getting that kind of that, that aspect of it. But I don't think it's enough of the skill part of it. And if you think about it, like we're talking, we're too, like we, we weren't the fastest people. We weren't the most athletic people, right. but we were very good at the fundamentals of the game, both of us in different ways. Right. Like you were an unbelievable passer. You had great court vision. You, you, you knew how to share the basketball. You had an understanding of the game. Um, I don't think that we were ever the type of player that you would put out on the floor and we would defend the best player, right. that we were the fastest person. We, we used the fundamentals that we learned from the game and we used the, the basketball IQ that we developed from watching games, from going to skill workouts, from going to camps right. and being like a sponge and absorbing everything that everybody talks about. Um, I think that's the that's the most important thing, especially for for the youth just to, to do right. that. And we were, I mean, we were very lucky that our father was our our uh, high school basketball mm-hmm. coach, and he was so knowledgeable of the game. So I mean, we also had that advantage. But he always drilled that into us to go work on different skills. Mm-hmm. And as you mentioned before, even with that that age group of you know fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh grade, like they're still growing into their mm-hmm. bodies. So I always look. It's funny because when I look at the kids playing in youth basketball and even any sport, you know, you're looking at baseball. They they start out playing a position that their body is telling them. Mm-hmm. So like if you're if you're smaller, it's like oh you should be a point guard. Yeah. Oh you're you're a little bit taller. Up oh, we're gonna put you down low. Mm-hmm. And then once everything balances out in middle school, you might have like have a growth spurt, mm-hmm. and then you might be the center of the team or be responsible for playing that position. Or you might stop growing, and everybody else is starting to grow. Mm-hmm. So then you need to work on your ball handling skills. So mm-hmm. I really think that incorporating um those individual workouts and maybe as they get older the travel Mm -hmm. and i think you brought up a good point that i never really thought about because i always kind of think like oh the travel sport is is just a money maker in my mind but my kids aren't there yet Mm -hmm. but i have to make that decision but we had camps that we went to so we were very fortunate to be able to use that as a recruiting tool to be able to go to those camps. So a lot of these kids don't, they don't have those camps Mm -hmm. to go to. So they are using it as a recruiting tool, but it can't be just that you're going doing that. So it is going and lifting in the off season Mm -hmm. and working on your footwork and working on those individual skills that's going to get you to the next level. Yeah, everybody's always trying to get some sort of advantage and some sort of edge. And I, and I think the more time that they put into this and the, the more time they spend on fine tuning all those fundamentals, um, I, I think that gives them a, 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 a big advantage. Um, I, nowadays, all the kids are watching what? NBA basketball. Right. If, sorry, we're specifically talking about basketball right now, but that's what, that's what kids watch. Everybody wants to be Steph Curry. Everybody mm-hmm. wants to be LeBron. They're not going to be. And right. you, you see them, you, I see your kids sometimes working on moves in the driveway and they're like, oh, um, I can't, hard, James Harden, step back. No, right. it's a walk. Right, like, right. Watch, watch college basketball. Like watch high school basketball, watch games that are built on fundamental things. The NBA stuff to watch is fun to watch. And that's that's stuff that's like, wow, these people are very, very athletic and very, very talented. But that's not what you should strive to be right. working towards. Right. And we say the summer because for us, again, going back to basketball, mm-hmm. that was our off season. 
But any type of off-season, the skills that you should be concentrating on, obviously should be individual to your sport. Mm-hmm. And you had mentioned before, too, and I, I do think that this is very popular with youth. You know, they're, they play so many sports. Mm-hmm. Whereas when we were kids, yeah. it was really like we, if we did two, that was a lot. Mm-hmm. But we really, you know, focused on one and tried to get better at And I kind of think like, oh, they should be exposed to everything. And I I read all these articles about the advantage of being exposed to everything. Mm -hmm. But what happens is a lot of these kids, if they are in baseball season, they're not picking up a basketball. Mm -hmm. If they're in basketball season, they're not doing anything to get better, maybe like for football Mm -hmm. drills or softball drills or tennis, whatever their sport Mm -hmm. is. They just get so focused on that one sport. And I think that gives them a disadvantage to other kids that are, are working in the off season. So if you are playing multiple sports and you're only concentrating on the one that you're at, you're, you're working on that time. There's somebody else out in their driveway that's working on the, the skill for basketball yeah. season and you're still in baseball season. Yeah. So I think that, you know, we see not laziness, but I just think the focus yeah. on the kids. It's so it's, it, you're right. It's so different compared to when we were growing up because I never really thought about anything other than that. Like I, I think in high school, I think I did I did track one year and I ran. I was wasn't very fast, but I ran just to do it. Right. I threw a couple things. I would have loved to have played softball, and I wish if I had gone back, I would have played a couple years of softball because I think I would have enjoyed it. Right. It would have been a nice break every now and then from the grind. But I also don't know that I would have ended up where I was if I played softball because it was taking away from all of those things. Because one of the other things I mentioned early on was shootouts, and like with basketball that those were big and they were, they were mm-hmm. how you got recruited because AAU wasn't that big of a deal. And we would do that a lot in the spring too. So it would, would have taken time away from that. But right. um, I think it's hard to, to tell kids nowadays, pick a sport. It's so hard to do that because mm-hmm. I don't know that they're ready to say, to say here's right. what I want to do. And here's what I know I'm going to do for the, for the rest of my, my career. Right. So as a college coach, how do you handle student athletes coming in that want to play multiple sports I've actually had a lot of these and I have currently have four right now on my team on my roster that play um two sports and it's it's interesting because the ones that I have right now play fall sports so the fall sports start say like the second week of August third week of August and go until the first or second week of November we're already four weeks into our season at that point so those athletes are are missing our two scrimmages, they're missing four weeks of practice, they're behind in what they're trying right. to learn offensively. And then think about the transition from like a field sport to a court sport or from a, a sport like volleyball that doesn't doesn't require much uh, running up and down the floor um, into a sport like basketball. It's, it's a tough transition. And right. at, at the college level, you have to have an athlete that is completely dedicated to training for two sports year round. To be able to do that mm-hmm. and to be able to do it successfully right um now i've had pl- i've had people in the past i had somebody that played for me years ago at at marywood that was a three-sport athlete wow. she went from field hockey to basketball to softball she was almost a 4-0 student mm-hmm. she had the drive to do that and she knew what it was going to take for four years to be able to commit herself to making sure she was giving 100 percent to every one of those sports i think that's one of the most important things when we go through like a recruiting process with somebody like that you have to sit down and say, you realize the time commitment that mm-hmm. it's going to take for you to do this and what you're going to have to put into it. And that might mean that you're going from your traditional practice, your traditional season practice, mm-hmm. and then coming in to watch a two-hour basketball practice to make sure you know what you're doing and then getting to your studies. So you're talking double the amount of time. Right. Um, 
but fortunately for us at our level, at the Division Three level, it's cap- you're, it's doable. You could do that. Right. And um, I think that's a big selling point to try to get student athletes at our level. But I don't think at levels above that, it's vi- it's you see it very, very, very few right. to, that, that are able to do that. Um, yeah, I would think at the Division One level that it would be not really it's it's possible. it's hard i mean my when i was at penn state my freshman year we had a volleyball player that played basketball and she only did it for that first year right um because the time commitment and you're you're talking about at that level you, you could be possibly playing on one of the highest level teams the volleyball national champions they right. multiple times at penn state so she was going from a national championship volleyball team to coming into practice and having to play on, on a basketball team that was in the top 10 in the country that's that's a tough right tough tough transition transition and that's like two full-time jobs exactly Um, exactly but i don't know that these kids nowadays realize all of that and i think that that's important that they understand the time commitment outside of practice Mm -hmm. and i don't know um that everybody actually gets that i think it's it's funny when you bring a recruit to visit and they sit in on like a full day or they do an overnight visit Mm -hmm. and they see what it's like when they stay with one of your player, current players. They go to classes all day long. They go to practice. They they go to dinner. They do their their homework. They get back up, and the next day maybe we have a game, and they see what their actual schedule is like on a daily basis. Right. It's it's a grind, and it takes a special type of person to be able to, to compete at that level, any any level right. of college. And and I even remember transitioning from like you know junior high sports to high school sports. Mm-hmm. I mean, and we were our high school conditioning was very intense mm-hmm. so I think then when I went to college to play I was I was ready yeah. like I was like bring it on because I've mm-hmm. done all those mm-hmm. the suicides and the bleachers mm-hmm. and stuff like that so I was pretty much prepared for that but I bet there are a lot of girls that come in that mm-hmm. aren't prepared for the type of conditioning that, that's going to be required of them at the college level yeah there's a lot of programs that I think and it, you probably see it at the youth level too mm-hmm. um, that you watch and you think they should really should be doing a little bit more of this or they should be at least educating them on what what things need to be done right um yeah it, it's it's a it's a culture change almost right right mm-hmm. and it goes back to in the youth mm-hmm. those camps and you know what i'm seeing a lot of and hearing a lot of from parents when i'm like oh there's this camp going on and this camp going on i mean i'm fortunate enough to be a teacher so i'm not working during the summer mm-hmm. so i could drive to three different places yeah. in the morning and do three different drop-offs but I'm hearing a lot of parents say, you know, we work, but we both work. Mm-hmm. So we're looking for camps that are more like full day camps mm-hmm. or I have a babysitter that can't drive them and so forth. So in that case, my suggestion to them is still go pick up a basketball. Mm-hmm. And dri- even if you're dribbling the basketball around your house, mm-hmm. you know, like you, you don't see that nowadays. Like yep. just kids just out there dribbling or going mm-hmm. to look for pickup games. And we talked about this, about going to being at the court oh. and kind of looking for just like whoever wanted to play one-on-one. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be a five-on-five. So accepting that challenge. But just doing those individual and working on your own skills, I think, is what we both agree on mm-hmm. to be the most beneficial at the youth age and even high school to, to yeah. brush up on any skill. Would I, you agree? Yeah, 100%. And I also think that there's there's so many coaches out there that I'm, I'm speaking for the majority of us that are willing to help people. If they if somebody were to, to send an email or send a text or and just say, hey, what are some things my kid could do mm-hmm. to get better at this? Or are there cl- camps you recommend? Anything. We're very willing to, to talk to people, and, and it doesn't cost any money to reach out to somebody and just say, what do you recommend? Um, right. I, I think that that's something, too, that people don't take advantage of. Um, 
coaches coaches like to to promote their programs and like to promote the things that they do so we're here to help right right so what do you have planned for i know you have a clinic coming mm -hmm. up at the end of the month so our camp is friday june 28th it's a one-day clinic shooting offensive skills clinic um, for boys and girls grades 5 through 12. Um, all the information can be found at GoWilksU.com. All the information can be found there, or you could hit, you could follow me on Twitter at tmac5, and um, I could I could share some information on there. But um, our men's coach also has a camp, and I'd like to give him a little plug too because he does a really good job. And their camp is next week as well, and that information can be found there too. Awesome. awesome. Him and I talk all the time because he has he has two little boys. We talk all the time about how you never see kids just pick up a ball and go to the playground anymore. Right, right, yeah. and and even if it's not basketball, any, anything, whatever sport you're concentrating mm -hmm. on. You know, go out there and just play. You'll the more you play, the better that you're going to get. And I always tell kids like, do not worry about if you're going to get a college scholarship. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're 12 years old, 13 years old, your focus should be on where are you going to be next year, mm -hmm. setting your goals for the the whole the following year mm -hmm. instead of looking towards the future because yeah. you don't know where you're going to end up, what you're going to end up, what sport you're gonna kind of focus on. So the best thing to do is just get out there and, and play. I always say, and you'll like this as a teacher, I always say this to my players, you would never go into an exam not sitting down and preparing for the exam. Right. So whatever sport it is, whatever thing you, whatever you're doing, whatever choice, if it's music, what a theater, whatever it is, you're never going to want to go into that unprepared, right? It's right. the same thing as in the classroom. You, you feel more confident when you sit down and you're prepared to, to go play a sport or take an exam, whatever that might be. So the more time you put into something develops that confidence, and I think that that's so important, whatever, whatever task you're taking on. Right. I love it. Awesome. So that's our message to you this week is to, if you're a parent listening to this, encourage your kids to get out there and play whatever sport that they're interested in playing and to work on the individual skills. And if you are a student athlete listening to this, get out there and play. Thanks for joining us this week on Soul Sisters Podcast. For more information and all of our latest shows, you can visit soulsisterspodcast.com. And if you're enjoying our podcast, leave us a review. You can always hit us up on social media too. I'm at the Jenner Urban. At TMAC5. Have a great week.